put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. The Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Put to death that nefesh that's literally wrung about everything. Amen, amen. And also on that note, let's not be nefesh abusers, right? Let's take care of that nefesh. Think about it like a beloved pet. Why am I saying that? Today is a little humor in that, but, you know, there are days... Sometimes you got to take it on a walk. Yeah, exactly. I said, you know, there are days, my nefesh, it feels like... I'm taking care of a pet animal. It doesn't always want to come along for the ride. It does, you know, it can handle quite a bit. It's used to many hours of Torah study. It's used to chastisement and scourging of the holy angels and the holy father and the apostolic training and the pains and the trials that come with it. But sometimes there are things it genuinely desires that God wants to give to it. And I find that uh, an amazing and almost unbelievable aspect of God's love and mercy is his love for the nefesh and that's how I felt today was the nefesh just it kind of reminds me of a, a little dog a little cute little dog you know when they look at you a certain way and they're just like go for a walk can I go <laughs> can we go for a walk now <laughs> and you might look at your pet dog and say you know I've got a lot of things to do right now you know we're busy uh, but just Taking care of and loving, it says, you know, a righteous man takes care of the animals. He loves mm. the animals, even, you know, that is a part of righteousness. No one walking in righteousness is a dog abuser, right? Mm -mm. So anyone in Man's the, best friend. Amen. We love dogs, cute puppies. We love cats, too. We love the animals. And you just want to take care of God's creation. Now, your nefesh is a part of God's creation, do you love your nefesh as much as you might love dolphins? I mean, who doesn't love dolphins? There's some in the region here. We haven't seen any yet. But we want to see some dolphins. It's exciting. It's like a, the nature channel around here. If you go out and about, and it's exciting. It's thrilling. Why do people love watching, you know, the BBC nature channel? Why do people like going on YouTube and watching videos about animals? Why do we love watching animals you ever think about that nature is cool <laughs> and god created it and he created it cool amen so take care of your nefesh love your nefesh do not abuse the nefesh there's a, a fine the fine line where we talk about fine line between spirit and soul and the fine line between training your nefesh to come along with the spirit to follow after the spirit and nefesh abuse. So let's be sure you love yourself. You take care of yourself. If you have needs, well, all those Old Testament wisdom books, the prophets, the Tanakh, the Torah, the writings, the Ketuvim, when they speak about wives, women, in prophetic language, that means 
souls, right? It's the wisdom of Moses. So when you read those verses, understanding when they're talking about multiple wives and how to take care of them, you know, not to abuse them, if there was an, a, another wife that a man, a Jewish man would have, his requirement legally was to not uh, diminish the amount of food and clothing and care. Just, you know, for the excitement of having a new wife, you can't just neglect the other one. Now we know God created them male and female, one male, one female. This, you know, this is not one of those... No polygamy, <laughs> no polygamy in the new covenant. That's cultish and it activity. was bad in the old covenant too, but it symbolized you taking care of your souls. You know, the Apostle Paul says that I discipline my flesh, making it my slave. Amen. It is written. So there is a wonderful caring for the outer man, the clay vessel, the, the animal soul. It's absolutely Amen. called the beast in the book of Revelation. And the sinful nature comes out of it. I like what the Passion Translation says about the beast. It calls it the wild beast because there is a taming of the flesh and blood to make it a slave to Christ. And there's wisdom in a wild beast or a tamed animal. When a person has no discipline, they go on just wild, lustful rampages of destructive immorality, of alcoholism and drug abuse and everything that is uh, decadent and destructive to their souls. But when you get into the holiness of the Word of God, the Holy Speech, the Holy Bible, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> and all the things of God's holy heaven with the holy angels, you begin to destroy that lower base flesh and blood rebellion that is literally called in the revelation of Jesus Christ, the taming of the beast. So when you get your body in order underneath your soul, I like how Apostle Paul calls his body by the third person. That's pretty funny. You know, it's like, it's, it's not really you, but it's a part of you. It's like, it's your shell. You still take care of it. You need the shell, but you are the pearl inside the oyster. Amen. It's not just the shell. The shell is important. Without the shell, wild beasts and predators and fish and sharks and terrible birds or something would, would swallow you up and eat you or you'd be, you'd be harmed significantly. So you do need that armor. There is wisdom in God putting animal skins on Adam and Eve after he left the Garden of Eden. God doesn't make mistakes. Adam and Eve make tons of mistakes. God never made one mistake from the moment he created the heavens and the earth and everything he's been doing to try to get us back. He makes no mistakes. So understand, having a body is not a mistake. As long as we're making progress in progressively making the flesh and blood our slave to righteousness. I'm a bondservant in chains to Christ. What part is he talking about? I buffet my body and bring it under, under submission to the power of the Holy Spirit. I submit my outer man to Christ inside my inner man. There's a Amen. yielding. That's what it means to offer your bodies as living sacrifices so that this temple, the ability of human blood... Okay, the reason why it's a blood covenant, because you're making the decision to use your blood during your human life for the eternal things of God and not vanity, not temporal uh, pleasures of the flesh, but to please God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and to do his will. That's wisdom, people. The wisest, smartest thing you can do is begin to invest 
the lifespan of your blood into the eternal things of God. That is called wisdom. That's what the fear of the Lord is, is now I'm going to spend my days, my hours, my minutes on God in Jesus' name. Amen. That's so glorious. What encouraging. That's such an encouraging speech there. Now I feel like a kind of like a majestic aquatic sea life preciousness. I was like, wow, I feel really inspired by that, actually. <laughs> it feels nice. Right? It feels nice to know that God cares for you. And he doesn't leave the body behind. He gives instructions yeah. to our bones of how to bring them into Zion. He doesn't want to leave the nefesh behind. This is a revelation to the modern-day church of Christianity worldwide. He's not going to leave your flesh and blood behind. He's taking it with the born-again divine part of you. He's wanting to bring it up into heaven. Mm -hmm. He wants to rapture you. But you notice the pattern, the wisdom, and the focus of the Holy Scriptures. Every single prophet, including the Messiah Jesus Christ of Nazareth, had to walk with him below in the realm of the natural and be proven faithful in the natural realm before they were translated and raptured into the glory realm. You have to be proven faithful below before he entrusts you with the great riches above. If you are unfaithful with the things below, Messiah said, there will be no entrusting of the things above, Messiah said. Therefore, all your tests in the earth now are, is what you're doing with your time, your resources, your abilities in the natural realm. As it's written, do the works that please God. Worship is often just thought of as, well, we put on some Bethel praise and worship. We put on a morning star CD. We do all that too. We love listening to music all the time. We love all the worship that worships God. But I tell you the truth, there is worship in the marketplace. There's worship in business. Our Jewish sages have taught that the marketplace is a place of glory and worship to Yarevave. And it's not just Judaism. It's also in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, in everything you do, work unto the Lord and not for human beings, and God can promote you and reward you. Do nothing for the temporal realm. Do not labor for wages that spoil. Was he saying don't labor at all? No, he's saying labor. I'm always working because my father's working. So listen to Jesus Christ when he's speaking in the Bible. He's saying, I'm always working because my father's always working. It's not about not laboring. There's not a lazy bone in God or in his kingdom. The issue is doing the labor of his will by the inspiration and the power and the focus of the Holy Ghost, letting the angels bring you dreams and visions and confirming signs and wonders, studying the scriptures so you know the protocol of how to act. It's really a manual of how to be in God's kingdom. We study the Bible because it embedders us to live in the realm of God. I want to be more like God, to be a better citizen of the heavenly Jerusalem every day. We do this because we want to be a better citizen of his kingdom. <laughs> Amen. Jesus Christ is the resurrection. And so going back to your Christian roots of belief in Jesus Christ is believing that he is the resurrection. So there's resurrection power, not just for your innermost being, not for your spirit, not just for your soul or a greater and ever-increasing salvation, 
But what about that physical salvation? Even there, there are people in heaven right now. If you're watching, we'd just like to welcome the cloud of witnesses. His greetings to all of our wonderful friends in heaven and a big thank you to our sponsors, Word University in heaven. We're grateful for your support and just, you know, everything that you do for everyone in heaven, educating uh, the masses in the word in Torah. Amen. So thank you. And uh, yeah, Jesus Christ, the resurrection. They're in heaven right now and they're waiting for a physical body. Some of them do have a physical body. Very few of them do there are those that were resurrected when jesus christ rose from the dead i forget how many that number was but there are very few people who have received a physical body and physical rev revelation of resurrection in the past we have enoch we have elijah who were caught up in that whirlwind the lightning path, the path of transfiguration, is the path of Enoch. So when it talks about in the Old Testament and the prophets about restoring the ancient paths, and then when you look in that inspired book, the book of Pilgrim's Progress, and you see this is a, based on a vision uh, that a man had, and he saw these dreams, these visions that were given to him by heaven, and he had them written down in this story. What was Christian's journey towards the very end was passing through the waters of death to get to the celestial city. And the angel <laughs> appeared, and they gave him the instruction. It was just him and his one friend pioneering for all their friends back home and their families the way and he asked the angel, is there any other way other than the waters of death? And the angel explains to him that there is one way. Now, this wasn't something that they had the opportunity to walk in. It's a very narrow path, and very few have ever walked it. And he talked about Enoch. I believe he talked about Elijah. And I went into the vision when I saw that of this beautiful path, emerald green grass, off the beaten path, kind of a look, and I dreamed a dream of that path. When I was seeking, before I found the Sephirot, I went through various tests and trials, and I dreamed that I was in my very last class of the day, and I rejoiced, this is my last class of the day. And when I passed that test, I left behind all of my studies in what was the very cutting edge of Christianity, and I threw my papers and things like that away. I left it all behind, and I saw that emerald green path. Off the beaten path, there was a trail, and I saw roses. I saw flowers. I threw rose petals in the air. I saw a mountain in the distance going up into the sky. And I knew that this was the way that I would, that I would walk in. And when I remembered that dream, 
I couldn't help but think of that path that was mentioned in Pilgrim's Progress, that path less traveled by very few people, that was the way to the celestial city of the heavenly kingdom of Jesus. That is the only path other than the waters of death. And so we want to invite you to come along with us and walk on that path. Haven't you dreamed a dream or had a vision of eternity, of walking in a higher and greater way? Haven't you seen the signs? You were reading your Bible, and it seemed to jump off the pages at you. And you felt a stirring in your heart, in your spirit, even in the depths of your soul. You felt, yes, I want that. I want to walk in that. I know God's calling me to that. Many are called, few are chosen. I want to encourage you to be one of those few who are chosen by saying yes to that path to the celestial kingdom that supersedes the waters of death. Jesus Christ, the pioneer of your salvation. It's the difference between Mary and Martha. Some of you have been reading that story. Look at John 11. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give to you. Jesus told her, Your brother will rise from the dead. Martha replied, I know that he will rise from the dead in the resurrection on the last day. Isn't that what most Christians believe today? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Today's your resurrection. Whoever believes in, adheres to, trusts in, relies on me as Savior will live even if he dies. Even if he dies, he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me as Savior will never die. It's two classifications. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed and continue to believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, the Son of God, he who was destined and promised to come into the world, and it is for you that the world has waited. After this, she left and called her sister Mary. Amen. There's two classifications. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in, adheres to, trusts in, relies on me as Savior, will live Number one, will live even if he dies. And number two, anyone and everyone who lives and believes in me as Savior will never die. That's two classifications. Those who believe in him, who will live even if they do die. And then he goes on to say, number two, everyone who lives and believes in me as Savior will never die. Do you believe this? Ask yourself tonight. Do you believe this? Not just do you generally believe that it's true because I read it out of you know, the Amplified Bible. And you can look it up for yourself. But do you believe it for you? Is that just something you believe? I believe you guys are going to walk in it. I believe the Zedekim. I believe those who have already started ascending are going to. Do you believe that you're going to be, what's the fear-mongering? Left behind. <laughs> you know, those, those Christian series that you are terrible You know what? God theology. can't leave his word behind. The key 
To be taken up and to go up with the congregation is to make sure the treasure inside your heart is His Word. If Amen. His Word is hidden in your heart, then you will not sin against Him. It is written, Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word remains forever. So the anchor for the soul, which means to go along for the ride in the living water, we have this hope of the Word of God as an anchor for our soul so that our soul goes into the movement of the river. We're being moved closer to the Father. He has given us the spirit of holiness as the river and the updraft. I'm going to pour out my spirit in all flesh, receive the Holy Spirit, tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the spirit from on high, then go out and make disciples of all nations. That empowerment of the Holy Ghost is the outpouring of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. But it's not just an outpouring, you know, where we just go out and it's just all sideways. Guys, we've been doing sideways ministry for thousands of years. Listen, that's wonderful. The Christian legacy, the Christian church, the Christian history, it's got a lot of good stuff. There's some really ugly, bad stuff. The devil was involved the whole time, so he's to blame for all wrongdoing. As it's written, ascribe all sin to Azazel. So the fallen angels are going to have all that sin on their head, and the church is going to be clean. So we have a clean record of all the Christian church for thousands of years. Understand, the Bible says that's going to happen. We're going to have a perfect past every single day washed. No matter what happened that day, it will be made brand new. The Bible says redeem the times. He's going to redeem them. He is going to make every day, every month, every year perfect as if there was no wrongdoing during that time. And God's story, His history, will be told. And that'll be the only eternal history over the nations, in the history of the nations. And the liars and the deceivers and the cheaters and the pretenders and the hypocrites and the play actors, they'll have no say in the storytelling of history. We will rewrite all the books. In fact, a lot of the books today of history and stuff will be burned as witchcraft scrolls. It's from the perspective oftentimes of the sorcerer of Babylon, the great, the warmonger, the, the Freemason, the daughter of the Eastern Star, the witch of Kabbalah, of the other side of the Klippeth, those that are the sons and daughters of Satan, guys. The history is a lot different from the holy angels than you're taught in the human uh, universities. I'll tell you that Amen. right now. How the holy angels, this is something, he wants to heal your perspective of history. Part of awakening is understanding the brainwash of what the Klippeth has told you of origins. Think Darwinism. Darwinism is a great example. It's a contrived belief system to keep the human being in an animal-controlled uh, soul, an animal-controlled form. Ooh, there's resistance to that truth. Listen to me. All the lies of the enemy is to manipulate and control the nations. We want to expose them all and set the nations free. You will hear the truth and be set free. You are not animals. You have the potential to walk with God and be angels and be totally angel-like sons of God. Luke 20, that's what it says, Amplified Classic. These are the children of the resurrection. I am talking right now to you, a potential child of the resurrection. How high you go, it's up to you. How you respond to the scriptures. 
how you respond to the gospel, how you respond to the angels, how you respond to the Holy Ghost, how you respond to the apostles and prophets determines how high you resurrect or you stop rising at all. We need to soften our hearts and rise higher than ever before during these times. Amen. The apostles would say, my gospel in their writings. So how the people would respond to the teaching and the preaching of the gospel through the apostles at that time, whoever the sent ones are during your time, that's the standard measurement of that judgment and how you're responding to what God is saying in the earth. So, and in the heavens now. So we want you to be encouraged to break off those limitations, just like the apostles had written in the New Testament, having started in the spirit, are we now going to finish in the flesh? What does that mean? If you've now started, if you started in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you prayed in tongues, you remember feeling like you were born again, again. It may have been one of the best days of your entire life. You felt fresh and clean. You weren't in paranoia. You weren't in constant fear or anxiety. You weren't so worried all the time. You felt the peace and the love and the infilling and indwelling of God. So restore to me the joy of my salvation, your progressive increase of salvation when you were born again, when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Those, those landmark milestones are when you receive a new soul. What do I mean by that? When you receive salvation, you are just a nefesh soul. That's what we talk about when we call it the animal soul. Everyone has one of those you're born with. You receive salvation. But when those people walk around for seers, for those of us who see in the spirit, they're the ones, it's just one layer of that little white invisible layer. I can, when my eyes open to see those realms, as many times I can see the layers of souls. And I can know, okay, this person is not baptized in the Holy Spirit. How do I know? Because they only have one layer of soul. It's only nefesh. It's not just an idea. It's a physical, invisible reality. So when your eyes open, I say, okay, that one walking by just has a nefesh. There was one night uh, when Brandon received, it was not long after Brandon had received an additional soul, and he sent his ruah out from his neshama. He began to dwell in his neshama as his innermost being and send out the ruah, the the amount of distance it was from his body had significantly increased from the stacked close layers, right? When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have those four layers of ruah and you can see them visibly. And for those who have their eyes opened as seers, when they're walking around and it kind of trails behind a little bit, like you can see it when you move your hand, sometimes the invisible layers, or you, you know, some of you may have in, encountered this I'm interested to hear, those of you who have that seer gift, there are many types of seers out there. But if that's you, I think that'd be interesting to hear from you. So please, you know, leave it in the comments. You maybe make a post on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you on that. When you're a seer, there's all kinds of questions I'm sure you're going to have. It's a whole journey. And if those of you, you're like, oh, I want to, I want to be a seer. If you go on the Sephirot journey, this is the best way to be the most accurate seer and not to get taken captive as many seers do when they get spiritual and they get their eyes opened. 
they get taken captive by fallen angel intelligence that know the invisible realm better than you do and they'll lead you astray unless you have wisdom and guidance and training so you need training in righteousness <laughs> i just saw a big angel flash here to my left when we start this broadcast oftentimes the angels will just sparkle uh, like stars right around the lights and the th and the cameras yeah. and the computers and it's like hey guys we're here and the angels saying we're here to help the broadcast of righteousness go forth today so speaking Amen. of seers you know oftentimes i've seen this a lot for you know decades of ministry when you begin to purchase eyes have to see supernaturally he wants all his people to see and so the word of God consecrates your eyes, goes into your brain, and you begin to see in the Holy Spirit dimension. Okay, this is not as mystical as you think it is. When you read the Bible, it just removes the scales from the eyes. When the Holy Spirit teaches you the word, that's what removes scales. You're being sanctified by the word of God. When your eyes are sanctified, you'll see angels every single day. Everyone who has sanctified eyes, who is going after the purity of the eyes, if you are not going after purity of eyes, that immorality in the eyes, just being a human being, and it doesn't mean that you're often just in gross darkness or practicing terrible sin, just by being born a human being, there will be scales over the eyes. Very few children who are still virgins see angels all the time. So this is, this is a supernatural presence of Jesus Christ, and it's not just blocked up from gross sexual sin. Even virgins are blind. You understand that? So what makes the eyes holy to the Lord is the consecration of the Scriptures. You have to put the Bible into your eyes with the intention of letting God change the human being into Jesus Christ in you. I labor amongst you tirelessly, Apostle Paul says in the Bible, until Jesus Christ is formed inside you. So the seer anointing that Rebecca and I have to see in the Spirit all the time and to see angels every day is simply being consecrated by the Word. We, spend, we spent six hours today in Scripture. That's, that's low for us. And not everyone has the, an, enough time to do it. That's the apostolic office. You spent your time in prayer and studying the word. It's written in Acts. So that's our job. But if you begin to put the word into your eyes and hear the anointing of the word into your eyes, watch it, respect it, honor it, you will begin to share even in the apostles' sanctification. Mm -hmm. Right. Thinking that you need six hours to open your eyes, that's actually a lie from the enemy. You don't need that many hours. And I can tell you that because... My eyes were opened when I was still working more working hours with physical labor than most of you probably work normally in a week. I was very much, uh, I was in a very busy schedule working constantly uh, and it was a really glorious time of sanctification. But when I would get home from work, I would put in the earbuds. You know, some of you have too much going on with your family. You need, and the Bible spa is difficult. Maybe not everyone's on board. Get earbuds and hold it on your phone. And uh, this was something I would do. I would listen to the Amplified Classic. I would uh, listen, you know, to the audio of it. That's good. Prayer and, without ceasing. Yeah, we have a download. There's a download in the Red Letter Ministries Facebook page 
for the Amplified Classic. If that's something that you need to do, you're tech savvy enough that you know how to get an MP3 file, download it, upload it onto your favorite music uh, listening device or application. If you know how to do that, that is a tool that you can use. That's something that I used uh, before I had the opportunity for Bible Spa. Again, just some kind of pair of headphones and I would listen to it and then I would just follow along on my phone on a Bible app and I would just scroll around, you know, watching as it's, you know, going through, forcing it into my eyes. So it's kind of powerful when you have headphones and you're just holding your little phone like this and you're forcing it into your eyeballs. And that's how I did the book of Revelation. It's not as ergonomic as Bible Spa. I still recommend Bible Spa over this, but I know that everyone's at a different place. They have different circumstances, life situations. So whatever is going to work for you and you're actually going to do it. And so I would just take some time to go through the book of Revelation for a few weeks doing that. I would go through other books of the Bible. Uh, but if you have the audio of the Bible, you can manually go through it and follow along. And what I would do is I would alternate if I had a little more energy I would actually read along. So I have it going in my ears. I'm reading along at the same time as the person, forcing it into my eyeballs here. I mean, think about it. How everyone, every one of you, most of you watching is really good in this generation at doing this. Right? <laughs> we know this. <laughs> you can do this and be you can do this and be consecrated. Right, right. You know, you could do this and waste your entire life. Or you can do this and be blasted with revelation so they're sh kind of shooting through your head like star shooting mm -hmm. stars. Now, I did this so much when I came to my first uh, RLM conference. When I brought my phone out at the time, it was a phone, one of my older phones. I, everyone uh, in the team was like, whoa, the glory on your phone. And I just remember that I was like, what, guys? You know, they're like, oh, it's a different 300,000 Google translates from tongues <laughs> on her phone. That's wild, isn't it? I think that was my old phone, too. It was 300,000. That was another phone. Um, and before that, there was one that I had more on. And uh, I want to share this from First Thessalonians 5, though, because I heard this yeah. in the spirit just now. Because what we're talking about is prayer without ceasing. Oh, yeah. I'm up to 120. Now, if I can boast in the Lord oh, here yeah. and get competitive with you guys. I've got about 120,000 on this phone now. So it was my older phone. I had about 300,000. 420,000. And that's only the ones that I take screenshots of. Only the one that's only if I'm praying into the phone. I pray in tongues outside of my Google Translates. This is just something I like to do because a lot of my friends were into Candy Crush and doing all these games. I didn't really get into the games. I thought this was more addicting for me. Uh, because it's, it's fun, it's glorious, and you can glorify languages. You can blast. I wanted to blast the Google service, um, the Google servers. I watch her use uh, mm -hmm. Google Translate in tongues hours a day, mm -hmm. and it often is just so razor sharp, accurate, and helpful. We just thank God for this gift. It's so creative and fun, mm -hmm. and it's it's great. It's more a great fun tool. and addicting than Candy Crush. And so if you need tips on how to use that, you can check out our RLM Facebook page and search in we there. We speak in the tongues of nations, yeah. 1 Corinthians 14. Amen. Might as well interpret them. 
First Thessalonians 5.14 And we earnestly beseech you, brethren, admonish, warn, and seriously advise those who are out of line, the loafers, the disorderly, the unruly. Encourage the timid and faint-hearted. Help and give your support to the weak souls. And be very patient with everybody, always keeping your temper. Amen. Verse 15 See that none of you repays another with evil for evil, but always aim to show kindness and seek to do good to one another and to everybody. Be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continuously, always. Here it is. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Be unceasing in prayer. Pray without stopping. Without stopping. And it says in the Amplified Classic here, Praying, persevering. You pray until you get the breakthrough in things. Don't stop Amen. in the midst of praying. We study the scriptures to learn how to speak the holy speech. The Lashan Hakadesh. Amen. Lashan Hakadesh. Lashan Hakadesh means the holy tongue, the holy speech. That's what created the heavens and the earth. It's the Hebrew language, it's the circumcised mouth. Amen. <laughs> if we have any viewers tonight that would like to take down fallen angels and principalities and kill demons you'd like to have a list of demons names who were killed by you or that you helped to kill that are going to be in the records for eternity just go ahead and raise your hand in the comments you can raise your comments if uh, your hand in the comments if that's you you want to be a demon slayer in real life you want to be an irl demon slayer killing principalities with that on your eternal record for all of time and eternity and ages and eternities of eternities in the hall of, you know, the hall of fame of the the demon slayers. The Father's Smithsonian. You'll have a whole section in it. Right. And I want to say thank you, uh, Brother Jacques, for sharing that vision. That was really encouraging. You know, we go through so much warfare, but won't it be nice to have on display all those, you know, dead bodies of demons or the displays of demons that were killed trophy rooms amen so you want to be a participant some of them are like you know if you've ever played uh, a massive multiplayer online game big game hunter right there's some of those bosses you're gonna have to team up to take them down it's just not possible to do it alone so anyone who's helping with that you're praying for the team you're using the shield you're using the sword your name is going to be on those records so just raise your hand in the comments if that is you you want that to be you just go ahead and raise your hand and let the angels count count you and count your name mm. as you're volunteering for the army of the lord in the spiritual realm right we want Amen. you to become a demon slayer now how are you going to be a demon slayer it all comes back to what brandon was saying here at the beginning of this broadcast not living an animal soul life mm. What is that? Have Having started in the spirit, right? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are we now going to finish in the flesh, in the nefesh? You don't hate the nefesh. You take care of it. Holiness obliterates shadows. Yep. I haven't found light anywhere else, guys. In fact, there's no light anywhere in the Bible except in holiness. It's our holiness that obliterates the darkness, the shadows, the curse of the fall, every single thing wrong in the entire world. The more holiness, the more purity that we have, the more we can destroy the works of hell. Amen. So if you understand that the carnal mind is at enmity with the Holy Spirit, we put to death the nefesh, understanding that your default setting, even if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, remember the tendency is to, is to start in the spirit, finish in the nefesh. 
finish in the flesh. Some people just have a nefesh. Other people get the Ruah soul and they're filled with the Ruah Kakadesh Holy Spirit. Even then, the enemy wants you to go back to the nefesh, back to the flesh. So we don't hate it, we don't abuse it, but we also don't surrender to the carnal mind. You do have to die daily. And that's the part of you that's dying daily is you're learning how to live in Christ and for him through the crucifixion by circumcision, right? The Sephirot is the cross, the cosmic cross of the eternal realms. And through sapphire stone circumcision, you can ascend. And as you ascend, there are certain worlds where you go. God entrusts to you another soul for it is written, I'll give you a new heart. I'll give you a new heart. So as you're acquiring souls through repentance, why is it an acquisition of souls? What is Beersheba, the well of seven? What is the wisdom of Moses talking about Bathsheba, daughter of seven? All of those mysteries of Sheba, Bathsheba, Beersheba, daughter of seven, Shekinah, daughter of seven, the final hay of the Tetragrammaton, of yad hay vav hay ending in the world of Isaiah. That is that well of seven. Now it produces after its own kind. So what kind is God trying to produce to destroy the enemies through his children by the power of Jesus Christ, his spirit within you? If you have to receive the Ruah soul in order to reflect and channel the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and by channel I mean the river of life, the Holy Ghost and no other ghost. If you need a Ruah soul in order to have the Ruach HaKodesh on the throne of that soul. Well, guess what? There's seven spirits of God. It's the sevenfold Holy Spirit one God, one Lord, one Holy Spirit, and it's sevenfold. There are those seven parts of him. And that's written in the Old Testament, prophets. And it's been taught and preached on countless times. But what you haven't heard probably before is that as you go up the Sephirot through ten worlds, as we've taught you in the master class, you can receive seven souls. The purpose of those seven souls is the ability to reflect the seven spirits of God, is rainbow spirit. That's you being like him back in his nature, his nature, seven spirits of God. Without his seven spirits reflected in you, there's still shadows. There's still room for the enemy nature because of uncircumcision so when that mirror is healed and open right that mirror of the soul cleansed and clean and made whole through that circumcision of ascension then when you have seven souls as you ascend 10 weeks that is the capacity to reflect all seven spirits of god the full light of the Father, the exact outrain brilliance of the light being Hebrews 1, 3 Amplified says. So that is the goal, to, to no longer fall short of the glory, 
but to emanate through our seven souls the fullness of our Father in heaven's glory. That's what it means to be a son of God. That's true maturity. Fully raised from the dead. And as you go up, you learn to be with the angels. Each rung that you go up Jacob's ladder, you're going into the realm of angels. And the angels have rulership over all nature. Angel, angels were given rulership over nature. It's clearly what Torah says in the creation story. The angels, the eagles, and the, the flying things of the, of the heavens, the, the birds of the air, it is written, were created before Adam and Eve in Genesis 1. That represents the angels are made over creation before man and woman were created. Now, we learn the holy speech. We learn dominion over the angels. Prayer is ruling the angels. Psalms 103, he sends forth his word and angels obey it. So what kind of word is being sent forth? It better be prayer only, only holy speech. That holy speech is the rulership of the kingdom of the angels. The holier your mouth, the more the angels will obey everything you say. The more angels you have around you obeying God's word, the more the kingdom of the Father is taken over the earth. So it's all about the tongue, the rudder of the ship. It needs to be an apostleship. And not just a manure pile of temporary cultural garbage down here. It needs to be something of the eternal realm of God's original design. His holiness, His glory, His light, His ways, His thoughts, His actions, His kindness, His mercy, His judgment, His severity, His rigid righteousness. We need all His character qualities formed in us because then we learn how to talk. And when we learn how to talk, then we learn how to walk. And when we learn how to talk, the walk will be with the angels and the angels will love to obey our words because that's God's design for this world, for the angels to serve his word, his word alone from his throne. No, his throne is supposed to be fully formed in us. That's what makes us the bride of Christ Mm -hmm. is that we have his word in us that the angels long to do the works thereof. And the works that we do are what? Study and prayer. We do different works than the angels. We're angel-like, but we're not angels. Uh, Luke 20 says they're the angel-like sons of God. They're not angels. Why? Because the angels are the ones that do the works of our prayer. Our prayer is the rulership of all the angels, and the angels are the rulership of all nature. And this is how we take dominion over all the ten worlds. Amen. You're going to need to have a holy tongue to take dominion over those fallen angels, those fallen stars that have been ruling those 70 nations, those 70 root nations of the Tower of Babel. And if you look in the invisible realm, it looks like 70 stars in a circle of a wicked council. That's their false ketter, that false crown of stars. 70 stars, in the wisdom of Moses, those are called 70 tongues. And those 70 tongues of false fire, of strange fire, of the fallen angels are the tongues that Joseph, in his sexual purity, was able to overcome as he ascended past Pharaoh. Now, he ascended beyond Pharaoh. What was the evidence that he ascended beyond Pharaoh? Now, in Pharaoh's time, what was considered royalty was to be able to converse in languages. So the more languages you had, that meant you were royalty. I believe that's one of the reasons why God gives the gift of tongues when you become baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's saying, you're royalty. Amen. Here's all the languages. You don't even have to wait on Gabriel to teach it to you overnight. You can just speak it without understanding. Gabriel, though, any day now. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, but we'd H- love to learn phonics them. with Archangel Gabriel. We'd love to sign up for that. Uh, but I believe the Father's free gift to all believers baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's saying you're royalty. You can speak languages, all these languages. And so what happened was uh, Pharaoh's advisors, who did not like Joseph, wanted to put him to the test. They said, he's not royalty. Pharaoh said, well, I feel like I can sense royalty in him. And that was the test they agreed to put him to, was the test of languages. And so as you ascend to Pharaoh's throne, you can find this in some of your history, history books, ascending the steps to Pharaoh Depending on what language they speak, they go up to those steps, and that's where he would converse with them. So your distance from Pharaoh was how many languages you speak as you go up the stairs. Now Joseph was able to go up and speak and speak the next one, because the night before, it's written in the wisdom of Moses in the oral tradition, that Archangel Gabriel taught it to him, and one night he learned 70 languages. Plus, he already had one language that Pharaoh did not have. And this was the language. It was called the Holy Tongue. In Hebrew, it's called Lashon HaKadosh. That's Lashon Tongue. HaKadosh is holy. And we find in the wisdom of Moses. Now, it was ancient Hebrew, but we find in the written uh, oral tradition, it's not just ancient Hebrew that's the Holy Tongue. It is the Holy Tongue of the original creation. But what is the Holy Tongue is even when you pray in your own mother tongue. You're praying and you're pouring out your heart like water before the Lord. You're speaking on the inside how you think in your heart. And what you say is genuine before the Lord and it's the same, right? You're not speaking a different word that's in your heart, right? When there's a different weight and measurement in your heart than what you're actually speaking, when you know in your heart something to be a certain way or you feel a certain way, but you cover it up with what you have a knowledge of good to be. So, for example, you might feel anger or pricked or strife in your heart, but because in your head you know it's not the right thing or not socially acceptable, you say a nice thing. That's a detestable thing because the heart and the mouth need to agree. It has to be that just fair balanced measurement and what we find is that's a source of idle chatter immorality uh, false judgment strife all kinds of wicked things because jesus christ in his oral tradition he decreed that it's not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him but what comes out of the mouth defiles him because out of the heart the leb the heart the mouth speaks so out of your heart Your mouth is speaking, and that's what makes a man clean or unclean. So we want to have a clean tongue, Mm -hmm. which means we have to have a clean heart. And the two need to agree in Christ. Now, people are saying, well, it doesn't matter what I eat then. Jesus made all foods clean. Well, here's the thing. When you speak about food, are you channeling gluttony, Mm. the demon of gluttony? When you speak about diets, are you speaking from the demon of pride? Pride in a... I eat this way, and I've had results, you know. Is it pride? People do that about religion and religious knowledge. 
and it just comes from some other god in the flesh right. of their blood and heart, and it's not even the throne of the lamb at all. Right. So when you go to eat food, are you going to have holy lips and a holy tongue, a holy mouth? Do you bless the Lord of glory when you eat? Does the Shekinah increase? Are you eating as an act of worship? Or when you speak about food, is it about negatively viewing your body image? Are you angry about yourself? I'm overweight. I hate myself. Are you insinuating those in the subtleties of your heart, how you think about yourself? Do you despise yourself? Do you despise your nefesh? For having, how could I have done this? I let myself go too far. I'm overweight. And that detesting. But then you speak out of the pride or the knowledge or covering up or something. Or I'm too thin. Or the enemy has done this to me and da da da. And it's a lot of sinful activity around food. Now, in the oral tradition of Moses in the Jewish community, what that represents is a blemished altar. So when you're sinning with your food, by what you speak and you think in your heart about yourself, about your eating of food, about how others eat food, you're sinning and defiling the altar. That's what it represents. So if there's a blemished altar above, you have a blemished altar below. And that is one of the symptoms manifesting that your altar is blemished. And what do we know about a, an altar that's unacceptable before Yad Vavhe? The sacrifice, no matter how pure, will not be accepted. So it's very important this season. God wants to change the way we speak. I feel fire coming out. The way we eat, the way we think about food and community, community and food. I want to encourage you, if you eat a lot in isolation and you have negative food habits... I want you to get into a habit, especially those of you, you're watching this regularly, maybe you're living, you know, if those of you who are in Minneapolis in our community or those of you uh, anywhere you have other believers in Christ or on this journey, if you can have at least once in a while, eat together and say a prayer and bless so the important. Lord of Shekinah, you will see the Shekinah increase in the food and the blessing of the angel of Shekinah as you consume that food on the altar. So sanctify your food life. Sanctify a lot of family activity is centered around the food. You come together for the dinner table. Maybe you watch a movie together. Food is a social, uh, it's a social activity and it's a huge part of human culture. Very important. That's what Jesus Christ and his apostles did. They went town to town celebrating, eating, and drinking in the glory of the Father. That's a huge aspect of Christianity, and it needs to be holy to the Lord. Apostle Paul says, because if your food's not sanctified, their gods are their stomachs. So there is a wickedness of an unconsecrated food life, and it's not like the, the argument of the idols or this food sacrificed to idols and this is like blood. No, this is consecrating your food life to having a feast with God, the feast of the Lamb. The feast of the Lamb, guys, is not just with your religious stuff. It's not just with your Bible time and your prayer time. It better be with your eating and drinking and fellowship and talking with others. Otherwise, right. you got religious spirits. Yep. So if you slander 
if you slander the apostolic or you slander a friend and then you go to eat a burger together with someone at, at lunch or you eat alone at lunch, it's not going to bless you. It's not going to bless your body. It's not going to bless the Shekinah. If you're living a lifestyle of what comes out of your mouth is defiling you, then what you put into your mouth, you're eating the fruit of your lips. I can just see the glory cloud of the father just wanting to live life with his sons and daughters. Enjoy eating with he him. He wants to do every aspect of life with you. And as you go up into the glory, it washes all of those lower habits and those addictions, mindsets, thoughts, opinions, judgments, criticisms, all the negativity gets obliterated and your every area of your life begins to be holy to the Lord. When it says holy to the Lord, that means consecrated inside the brightness of the glory cloud. That your food life, your eating and your drinking life is consecrated in the brightness of his glory cloud. That's where we live and move and have his, have our being inside his glory. He wants you to learn how to eat and drink and do those areas of your life in the holy glory. Amen. So you want your sacrifice to be acceptable before the Lord? Let's start with checking out the altar. Make sure the altar itself is not blemished. Otherwise, whatever you do with sacrifice, it may or may not be working. The altar must be pure and holy. And what is kind of your little checklist? You're, you're going to make an assessment right now tonight. You can ask yourself this question right now. When I eat food, physical food, is there sorrow? Yes or no. Is there ever any sorrow when I eat? And if the answer is yes for any kind of reason, whether or not it appears to be someone else's fault the answer is yes, the altar is blemished. So we just want to pray over your altar. I thank you, Father, for these viewers tonight. I thank you for the healing of their altar. The forgiveness of their sin. Let any sin that's been done with the mouth, whether it's how words were spoken, whether it was idle chatter, gossip, slander, any evil speaking, I pray let it be forgiven now by the unmerited grace of the blood of Jesus Christ and let a new altar be resurrected and be raised up in their lives, pure and holy to the Lord in every aspect of life. For there's no part of our lives that you're not a part of. From the way they wake up, to when they eat, the time they live their life during the day and go to bed. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun, the Lord is to be praised. And may he be praised and magnified and glorified in your lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy this uh, offering time. We're appealing to different people groups and age groups in a creative, fun way. So enjoy it, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Hey everyone, what's up fam? I'm stoked today to talk to you about something super exciting that's about to go down. Now, I know we're all about streaming, TikTok, and staying connected 24-7, but what if I told you we have a chance to make a real impact right here in the Sunshine State? Picture this, a broadcasting center in Florida that's not just about pixels and screens, but a space where the message of love, hope, and faith go viral. Yep, we're talking about RLM TV, taking it to the next level, right here in the heart of Florida. 
It's not just a building. It's a game changer, and we're the players. Think about the lives we can reach, the people out there just feeling lost or needing a little pick-me-up. This isn't your typical ask for cash. It's an opportunity to invest in something bigger than ourselves, a movement that's about spreading good vibes, positive energy to every corner of the world. So here's the deal, fam. We need your vibes, your energy, and yeah, your support. We're throwing down a challenge to show the world that Gen Z is more than just about trends. We're about making a real impact. Let's break the stereotype that we're only about online life and show that we really care about offline world too. This isn't just a call for cash. It's a call for change. Your contribution isn't just a number. It's a statement. It's saying, hey, we believe in spreading positivity. We believe in making the world a better place. Imagine the impact when our generation comes together for a cause that matters, a cause that's all about love and unity, wisdom, holiness, purity, righteousness, God's glory. So let's do this, fam. Let's make some real noise. Break the internet with a whole new way. I'm not just talking or asking for your money. I'm asking for your commitment your passion, and your belief that together we can make waves that last longer than any TikTok trend. So get ready to make history, Gen Z. Let's show the world that our vibe is about making a positive change starting right here in Florida with RLM TV. Hit that contribute button, spread the word, and let's make this happen. Our time is now. Let's go.